This is B of C Live, the video and podcast series of Business of Cannabis. Find out all that we do at businessofcannabis.com. Coming up on B of C Live, we connect with Denny Gertler of Can Delta. We want to connect with him about all things New Jersey legalization, from local control to social equity to types of licenses to timelines. This is Denny Gertler from Can Delta. Denny, thanks for being here. Thank you, Jay. Uh, I'm glad we got you because I, I know what we're talking about today, but I, um, we've been following obviously closely Business of Cannabis, what's happening south of the Canadian-American border, uh, but specifically in the tri-state area, New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut, because uh, we were in New York over the summer. Some of your team was there as well. Um, talk a little bit about sort of what we're going to be focused on today and maybe a little bit about the why, because I'm quite keen on this state. Yeah, so today, Jay, I'm going to talk about New Jersey and provide a bit of an update on their legalization. Uh, and I'm going to acquaint people with some of the top line information they may or may not be familiar with, but also talk about the local scene a bit more than uh, is customary. Good, good, because I think that's really important. And, and there's some key differences between, well, just how the US and, and Canada operate differently as it, you know, from a federal level all the way down to a municipal level. But just a note, um, in I think it was June of 2018, uh, me and John Prentice from the Canadian side uh, went down to New Jersey to Trenton to hear sort of how quickly they were legalizing. Uh, now it's 2021 in November, uh, and we're still having this conversation, uh, which may tell you a lot about New Jersey, I think. Yeah, well, well we'll get into it. And you know, some of this stuff is not visible to uh, people if you're not in government, but I, I have a couple of theories and a bit of information, so we'll talk. Let's get to it. Okay, well, first of all, um, just to familiarize people with a bit of background. So on February 22nd of this year, the CREAM Act, or the Cannabis Regulatory Enforcement uh, uh, Assistance, I think, and Marketplace Modernization Act, say that five times fast. That is not a good acronym. <laughs> I, I keep thinking of crema in my espresso whenever that Or, or cream the band, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that could be. Anyway, they signed uh, uh, three bills legalizing recreational cannabis in the state. Uh, and some, some key features is that adult may purchase and possess up to an ounce or 28 8.35 grams for Canadians uh, or equivalent of dried flour. They set up a cannabis regulatory commission to regulate the industry. They specified six license classes, which are very similar to uh, licenses that you could get in Canada. Although there's a wholesaler license, I think, which is particular to that state. I'd like to get that one here. Yeah, well, that may be another episode. Yeah, I think things are changing. But anyway, I don't want to digress. Uh, you have to if you want to be a distributor or a delivery service, you also need to be licensed uh, on a state level. But unlike Canada, and you flag uh, some differences, several of the US states, and I think New Jersey particularly have a, a number of social equity provisions that I'll get into a bit later. Uh, one of the key ones, of course, is expungement of records. And I think already th there's something like 362,000 criminal records that could be expunged. Uh, there are, uh, there's a provision for cannabis consumption areas, 
which are you know only in in licensed retail or me and medical dispensaries. They can't be standalone. Medical dispensaries can apply to sell recreational cannabis, but they will need local endorsement. We'll get into that a bit. And municipalities have a very fundamental role in the state. Now, some timelines to keep in mind. I had to be a bit creative, Jay, in putting these together because they don't make it easy for you. You won't find this on the CRC's website. But obviously, the, uh, the date for uh, legalization is important. On August 19th, the CRC approved what they call their initial rules, which are essentially 169 pages or 159 pages of, of regulations that uh, really explain you know, how the whole process is going to work. On August 21st, uh, the opt-out deadline for municipalities kicked in. And in other words, uh, municipalities until then uh, had the, the option of banning all cannabis businesses or selectively certain cannabis businesses. Well, for the next five years, they can't do that anymore, although they can opt back into the framework if they'd like. On September 18th, uh, the CRC was supposed to uh, start accepting license applications. Uh, we have information that they missed their own deadline. And I, I haven't been able to get clear information about whether they have uh, started uh, accepting and processing. I think they have, but there's again, no public indication of that. Um, on February 22nd, uh, the deadline to approve up to 37 cultivation licenses occurred. And what that's about is that uh, for a limited time, uh, they put a cap. I don't know why 37. There must have been a formula uh, based on what they thought was market demand for cultivators. Now, interestingly, that does not include cannabis micro business cultivators. Uh, and we'll talk a bit about that. They come under the, the heading of social equity. And as many of those could be licensed um, as applied, potentially. On February 26th, the CRC uh, was to set, uh, sorry, for 2022, that's next year, the CRC is to set a date within 180 days of new rules for recreational sales. So um, we'll watch that very closely. On, on February 22nd, a year later, on 2023, license holders may fulfill license limits set for different classes. So. In other words, uh, depending on what class of license you hold, you're restricted to certain types, other types of licenses. And it works pretty similarly in Canada, but there are different combinations in New Jersey. So for example, um, let's think of an example. I have a footnote here, a license holder, and its owners and principals may concurrently hold a cultivator, manufacturer, retailer, plus, um, uh, cannabis delivery service license, but no other types of license. Now they don't have to have all of those licenses, but that's the universe that they can select from. Mm -hmm. and, and then finally on, on August 20, uh, 2026, the five-year moratorium on municipal opt-out concludes. One of the really important things to realize with this legislation is that safety does matter. Uh, Adults are 21 years and over, 
in New Jersey. But similar to Canada, there are product packaging uh, rules for childproof containers, warning and risk assessments. There's a hotline number to poison control centers and other information that must be on all the labels, uh, including um, direct information and data on THC and CBD levels, but also a scheme that would uh, flag low, medium or high levels for a cursory at a glance view by consumers. Uh, unlike here, uh, cannabis products cannot resemble food. So no brownies or cookies, I guess, unless you're making them yourself. Right. No cartoon, uh, and that, uh, by the way, the legislation doesn't say anything about that, but you're not allowed to grow cannabis. So I guess theoretically you couldn't make your own brownies or cookies, although you could buy it. So I'm talking myself out of that already. <laughs> uh, as far as advertising and promotion go, there's no cartoon characters. You can't show it as candy or food. Um, and you can't depict any images attract, that could attract children. So that's very similar to here. Uh, vapes, you recall there was a bit of a vape crisis in relation to nicotine in the US not so long ago. So no known or potentially harmful ingredients for, for vapes. And also similar to here in many provinces, um, you can't smoke or vape, or I always have trouble pronouncing this word, aerolicize, uh, where right. smoking, wherever smoking and e-cigarettes are banned. Right. Now, I, I mentioned social equity earlier. It's a key driver. Uh, it's something that's largely absent from Canadian legislation, but in New Jersey, uh, black Americans are almost four times more likely to be charged or have been until now with marijuana or hashish offenses. And I think the actual number is uh, 3.77 times more, more likely. And that's over quite a long period of time. Uh, it, and actually I listened to an interview of Diana uh, Wainu, who's the, the chair of the commission. And she made a distinction between marijuana and cannabis. So marijuana is the term that applied to the illicit market or still applies to the illicit market and pre-legalization substance. As soon as it becomes legal, it's termed cannabis, which is something I did not know before. Tell horticulturists that. What can I say? But uh, the other thing that's interesting is that there are three types of social equity businesses, the social equity business itself, diversely owned, which applies to uh, women, minorities, and uh, disabled veterans, and impact zone businesses, which I'll describe a little bit further on here. Um, also uh, micro businesses, which could apply to all three of those different types, and conditional licenses, which are meant to be a bridge to a, a, a regular annual license, but giving you a little more runway and time to get all your ducks in a row. I mentioned expungement already, uh, lower, in some cases, very low license fees for priority applicants. So if you come from some of these priority social equity groups, uh, fees start at uh, $100 and go up, of course, from there. But they're typically about 50% of what a regular cannabis uh, applicant would have to spend. 
There is another nice feature in that uh, only 20% down, it seems very American to me, is <laughs> upon uh, initiating your application. And then once you're awarded a license, you pay the, 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 the remainder of the fee. And there are also some measures to control large businesses or what they call multi-state operators, recalling that in the US, uh, it's very balkanized, legalization is on a state by state basis. And so there are some operators who are active in a number of states, uh, but New Jersey wants to uh, bias the system in favor of locally based and usually equity driven businesses. There'll be an, an equity uh, excise tax, uh, which will be used to fund education, economic development and social services. So that again, is a specific feature of New Jersey's legislation. So small business is favored in New Jersey. Uh, size, there are size and operational limits. For a micro business, it's up to, uh, to 2,500 square feet of total operating space. Uh, it must be owned by people with a minimum of two years res residency in the state. Uh, they have a very complex bonus uh, evaluation system, which uh, there's been a lot online about this. I don't think anybody fully understands it, including the commission. Probably it'll, it'll come out in the wash as they try to figure out who has priority. But for example, um, if your principal owners have five years of residency, uh, that gives them extra points. So if they're, you're ranking you know, to see who gets a license uh, or how quickly they get a license, uh, the bonusing system will be important. Uh, a micro business also employs up to 10 people and no uh, significant person in the operation with decision-making or financial interest uh, can own another cannabis business, even another micro business. <laughs> About a quarter of all state cannabis licenses are reserved for micro businesses, and actually 10% of each license class are set aside, uh, a minimum of 10%, that is, for uh, cannabis micro businesses. Uh, I've already mentioned their uh, accessibility for the conditional license. Uh, they're not subject to the cultivator license cap. And again, the provisions to, to rein in larger businesses were largely to benefit local smaller businesses. So here's what I really want to stress in this presentation, Jay. Local businesses have a lot of power in New Jersey. And this is a quote directly from uh, Diana Wainu, uh, that local governments really have the reins here. Uh, I think that's explicitly by design. And it's really interesting because cannabis is popular in New Jersey as a legal product. Uh, there was a, uh, a ballot question, uh, which is actually a, a amendment to the New Jersey constitution. Uh, and it passed overwhelmingly. I think the, there's a two thirds majority statewide, but uh, I think that where it passed, you know, there weren't many municipalities where it passed with less than 60% support and some that passed with 75% support, the two largest cities, uh, Newark and Jersey City. So, uh, you know, huge support statewide, but when it comes to the 
you know, my actual town or, or municipality or county, 70% uh, of the municipalities uh, prohibit cannabis businesses at present. At present being the ultimate point. Yeah, I mean, there is a five-year moratorium, don't forget, but they could opt in. Some of those could opt in. And what I'm hearing is that there are a whole range of reasons why uh, municipalities opted out initially. Some of them is that are that they really didn't like the idea of having a cannabis store in you know in the in the or not just store could be a uh, or what they call dispensaries down there uh, could be a cultivator or what they call manufacturing, which we would call an LP up here or a processor. Uh, so there are those. Uh, you know, Lake, uh, Lakeview County stands to mind as one that was very anti-cannabis, uh, voted to keep the moat by a two-thirds majority. So on the flip side of what the state trend was. But um, their support, despite there being support in both Republican and Democrat-leaning or dominant counties and municipalities, uh, some of them simply thought, well, you know, let's take a, a adopt a wait and see attitude, see how it goes. Others may be intending to uh, permit these businesses, but needed more time to get their ducks in a row. I mean, this, it, yeah. sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, you know, I, I just feel like there's a couple things. One, we've seen this cycle before in Colorado, California, cities who say no, and then eventually say yes, because the sky doesn't fall during legalization. That's on the one hand. On the other, it's not as if New Jersey is an island legalizing, like there's gonna be intense competition, especially in Newark and, and Jersey City, right, right outside of New York City, that you know the places that are adjacent to New York, there's gonna be tremendous pressure for these cities to not have their residents cross state lines to go buy cannabis and bring it back, because why, why give away that tax dollar? So all, all these, I, I understand the politics of it. I just think the tax implications of it and the sort of foot traffic implications become very clear very soon. Well, indeed, actually, a lot of observers have mentioned that New Jersey is a bit of a pivotal state because it's surrounded by a number of populous states that are going to experience increased pressure to you know, hurry up their, their legalization efforts as a result of New Jersey's. Yeah. So basically saying what you just did. Yeah. Now, Municipal approval is required for uh, alternative treatment center expansions or otherwise known as ATCs. Uh, most people will see them as medical dispensaries, but they could be medical growers and, and manufacturers as well. So it's a bi-level requirement. The state has to license and then there needs to be what's called a, a municipal endorsement. Uh, and so without that endorsement, you, you can't start selling uh, recreational cannabis. And, or let's say open a consumption area uh, adjacent to your store. So municipal approval is really important. Local governments can also specify the, the numbers and types of businesses, uh, restrict their hours of operation, create their own licensing regime. And we've heard through the grapevine that Newark is doing this. That uh, we have a couple of clients uh, down there, and they and uh, Newark has opened up their licensing process right now. They can like a, uh, lot, a lot of different layers of government. No kidding. So, 
people think Canada is bureaucratic, right? Uh, we don't have a monopoly on that. Right, right, right. We can also, it's, it's maybe not as much a part of uh, the mythology in the US, but it's very much a reality. Also, municipalities can lever a 2%, up to 2% transfer tax and convey their licensure pre uh, preferences to the CRC, who I think would take them quite seriously. And so business is local. 50% of micro business owners have to live where the business operates. Uh, and that has to be, um, that means 50%, meaning I guess it's really 51% um, of the ownership structure, you know, has to be local. Social e equity pathways emphasize local. And although there are three types, they're kind of like Venn diagrams, because you could actually quite easily be inhabit all three categories. So a social equity business, essentially a majority ownership by a person from an economically disadvantaged area, you know, that would be defined, I think, as 80% uh, of the average mean income of New Jersey, uh, something like 150% or at least 150% of, um, uh, oh, what's the statistic I'm looking for here? I think of, of the insurance rates for, uh -huh. Uh, the health and uninsured rate, that's what I'm looking for, and poverty rate. So, yeah. so they have specific statistics on these that come into play that would define you as, as a social equity business. Uh, impact zones are typically larger communities. I believe it's a, a population of 120,000 and above with higher uh, uh, arrest rates for marijuana and hashish in the past uh, and high unemployment and poverty rates as I've just described them. Interestingly, and there may be a competition for a, become an impact zone because they have to be defined by the state. So 70% of the sales tax proceeds will go to these areas. So that's, in other words, the taxes that are raised from, uh, from the sale or the transfer of, of cannabis from cultivators you know, through the supply chain will go to these areas and that's designed to benefit these areas, both socially and economically, uh, through a number of measures. It could be grant programs and other another means of um, you know, bonusing these municipalities. Or I believe it'll be done on a zip code basis. Okay. Municipalities may also create their own complementary social equity programs. So you could have a kind of layering effect there. So. You, I think you're beginning to see that it's one thing to respect all the state level rules and quite another to be able to uh, gain the uh, endorsement and the support of local residents and local governments. It's and really, it's challenging. I mean, I, it's challenging because you can imagine your, your municipality could say, yes, we're welcoming cannabis businesses in there, but then have enormous amount of power about where and how they operate um within even that framework totally and and if you're not uh if you're not plugged into the local scene uh you're you're just not going to operate a, you're not going to get a license to open a business and right. then you know once you have a license that's not the end of it you have to continue 
to get along with your neighbors and be seen as a, as a good local business uh, for the area. So I think that's where um, there could be some stumbles. Uh, you know, we have experience at Can Delta working at that level, uh, helping companies structure their, their ownership groups, their messaging, their lobbying efforts, uh, helping them run compliant businesses, ensuring that they're, they're, they're setting up you know, as socially responsible businesses. So people see dollar signs, I think, at the front end, but there's a lot of work uh, throughout the process and at the back end to not just meet the letter, but the spirit of all these regulations and laws. And, and a good deal of both patience and operational skill to get it like the, this, a strange combination because patience, certainly because it, it has been taking lots of time, but also the ability to sort of um, not go with the flow, but understand that your best laid plans may change, uh, both because regulations are changing, business circumstances change, you know, all, all of these things are going to be difficult in New Jersey, of course, as you've laid out, but but just as difficult in New York, just as difficult in Connecticut, Massachusetts, like it is this times as many legal states as there are have this layer of complexity to them, which is why folks like you that keep tabs on all of these things is absolutely critical. And we know, Jay, we haven't even talked about, um, you know, the problem of cash management right. and, and getting financing. Uh, many of these businesses are going to have cash machines on the, for retail anyway, uh, because, you know, it's still hard getting uh, banking services yeah. in the U.S. It's really uh, hard. Really. There are no provisions at the moment. Uh, by no public uh, or government provisions for, let's say, setting up a, a, a government-run savings and loan entity yeah. that could support these businesses or give them just the basic uh, cash management and banking services. Uh, yeah. That's going to be tough. It is. It is. Danny, I really appreciate it because I think it's, it's instructive to look at like New Jersey as itself, but it's also like, it's good to think about you know, this state as a microcosm of what is happening in the states and that you can hear New York is legalizing, but then, you know, the layers of that, it's sort of um, within that all the way down to municipalities is really, um, it's helpful to have a team going in it with you. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. And it, it, it also makes it seem like in Canada, while it's super challenging, you're like, well, at least we, I mean, you do have to deal with municipalities, but in Ontario, you know, if it's if it's zoned the right way, the municipality, and this is what the conversation is right now, is can the cities actually have more power? Night and day. And so, I, you know, I see uh, criticisms of Ontario's system. I go, well, you might want to look south. I could say west as well, but I'll, let's just stay on topic here. Uh, like, it's a lot more complicated. Yeah. It is. Well, Denny, I, I appreciate it. It's always good to start the week uh, with, with talking about something interesting, getting expert feedback from the folks at Can Delta. And as always, thanks for uh, all you guys do. It's really fun having these chats with you, Jay. I hope we can do it again soon. I think we will. Thanks, Denny. You bet. Take care. That was Denny Gertler from Candelta talking New Jersey. If you like this program, please rate and review us wherever you heard the show. It helps support the work we do. We're able to do what we do because of ongoing partnerships with Alterna Savings, Cannabis at Work, Cannabis Benchmarks, Candelta, Gallagher, Headset, and Torch and Main. Find out all that we do at businessofcannabis.com.